This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Oh my God. I think the people have started to forget that the WOMED is a Chase Stokes fan account. And I don't know if you've seen Jack, um, but our main squeeze has cut off his gorgeous brown locks of hair. And I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, he's still hot, but I don't know how I feel about it. Have you seen? What? No. Yes. Why would he do that? I'm looking right now. I don't know. Maybe yeah. he's maybe he's gonna like play some like soldier or something. You know, I don't know, but like he's got a buzz cut. Oh I know God. they can I'm be like looking. super in fashion and he didn't go like white blonde with it or anything. You know, it's the trend that I like to think I started. Not the buzz cut, but the going platinum. Wait. I'm I'm scared. Okay, I just googled Chase Stokes' hair, and that was probably a bad idea because all his beautiful hair photos are coming up. So <laughs> Chase Stokes' bu- buzz cut, you think I should do? Yeah, or, or like just news? look at his Instagram. Oh, it's on his Instagram. Yeah. Okay. Please, please hold. <laughs> please hold. I forgot about that. You know what? It's because it's been so long since released season. I know. Like, or since he's like when... done anything that dreamy that we've yeah. needed to watch. Are him and what's her name still together? They they broke up a long time no, ago. No, I think right? they broke up a while ago. I thought they got back together, but they didn't get back together, did they? Am no. I making this up? My pop, Jack, my pop, I feel like my pop culture like references, my pop culture like life has not been up to date lately. Like I need to get back into. Well, you haven't culture. been in the country. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> True that. True that. Oh my god! Why? why it has why? to be for a role that's the only it thing i can think be. of if god blesses you with that hair you do not cut it off you keep it as long as you possibly can before you have to come see me for prp injections in your scalp do you think it's almost <laughs> like he's so he knows he's so hot that he has to like like he has to make it a little bit more low-key yeah you know, he's yeah. probably trying like to give the rest of us he's a chance. A, he knows he's a heartthrob. Yeah. So he's just like bringing it back down. But you know, what, you know what, Jack? I can't help but notice that, you know, he's single. You're single. I think <laughs> I think there's something you, there. <laughs> do you think Chase Stokes is on Raya? <laughs> I think he's definitely on Raya. I would also okay. like to point out for the pod that Jack got accepted onto Raya. I've been waitlisted for mm, close to four years now. <laughs> Tried multiple times. I'm just noting it here on the pod that Jack is significantly cooler and more accepted yeah. by the artistic and creative societies, aka actors and musicians and artists, than myself. <laughs> okay, one, I can't believe that. Like, how. I- I think it's honestly hilarious that you I think okay, it's hilarious people, too. Doesn't help my fear of rejection. This is actually this has been a conversation between you and I before I was even like before I was even single. You would joke like I can't get on to Raya, I can't get on to Raya. And I was like, if I'm single, I'm gonna get on Raya. And like <laughs> You got it immediately. Else. I got in within 24 hours. 
<laughs> okay, so to give everybody an uh, update. So, okay, I guess I will have to, maybe I'll change my, my Raya, in your Raya profile, you put your photos to like a, a song. You can choose a song. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll pick like the theme song to to outer banks okay jack jack we don't we don't want to be creepy we don't want to be single white female we want to be badass chip <laughs> what song okay then i want to know what song do you think i should pick for my profile because i will say i did download the app i've been like playing around with it since i've been here but i matched okay this is hilarious i literally matched with one person and then I just like deleted it, the app off of my phone. I didn't delete the app. Like I can log back in, mm-hmm. but I matched with one per- person. It's actually super cute. I have mm, to tell I you, but this. Um, I matched with like one cute guy. And then I literally just was like, what am I doing? Like, why am I on this app when I'm on the other side of the world? Like, this is well, just can't you do the lo- time. Can't you do the location thing? Like match with other people on Raya in you Scotland? Can. You can, but there's like nobody within four hours of my location. And also, I'm like, Fair. do I want to like go on a date when I'm here? Not yeah, really. You do. I'm like, do I? I like kind of just am enjoying my like little pod life. <laughs> You're such a homebody. So anyway, I I put I took it. I'm a homebody. I'm sorry. <laughs> what? Yeah, me Coming too. From you in my sweats. You're calling me a homebody. That is the joke <laughs> of the century. Okay, so anyway, we're going to wrap up this conversation. Um, on the other side of this episode, we will give you, Danielle is going to come up with her top three songs for my Raya profile on the other side of this episode. But now we are bringing on the one and only Asia Sullivan. You guys are going to love this episode. Asia talks all about her role as a PA in primary care, specializing in LGBT, Q plus and HIV care. We talk about her wedding being featured on The Knot. We talk about her being from Alabama. She's just the coolest. Uh, I hope you guys love this episode. Asia, oh my God, welcome to the WOMED. Thank you. I'm so excited. I feel like I've been listening to this for so long and we've been talking about maybe potentially coming on for so long. I'm so excited to actually do it. Us too. Seriously though, like we've been huge fans of yours for so long and just want to wish you another like public wedding congratulations because every time you post those photos, I'm just like, oh my God, <laughs> they're so pretty. And honestly, between you and like the suit that T wore, like, oh my God, like, I, I don't, I don't know which I loved more, the dress or the suit. I felt the same way. Thank you for the uh, wedding wishes and for acknowledging those photos. We worked super hard on like, you know, per- like getting the perfect look and dream. And mm-hmm. so it really means a lot uh, for you to say that. And I felt the same way about that suit. It was crazy. Um, and the company actually custom made the color for her, which was really? even cooler. That's wow. so cool. And then the whole thing was featured on the knot too, right? Like, that's, That's correct. Awesome. We did, yeah. Our our entire wedding was um sort of in collaboration with the knot. That's amazing. Um, all because I won a TikTok contest, actually. <laughs> okay, forget healthcare talk today. I just want to talk about your wedding. I mean, <laughs> how you got this collaboration with the knot? I, I want to know everything behind, like, like D said, like your outfits. Like, let's just start with the outfits. 
Like, okay. how did this get started? Like, where was the Like, what's like the original inspo that that happened? Like, did you know how you wanted this to all look your wedding? Because it is like for our listeners, you have to go look at Asian Instagram right now and look at these wedding photos because they're truly the most beautiful wedding photos I've ever seen. <laughs> we'll get into the medical stuff. We promise. But yeah. like this wedding yeah, is probably point, the yeah. most we'll, we'll, we'll get beautiful thing there. we've seen. We'll get there. I, I don't mind. I could talk about it forever and ever. So we did, I mean, we kind of had a loose vision of what we wanted in terms of like a color palette and we wanted it to be, um, you know, a lot of neutrals and sort of desert inspired. And that terracotta color actually became super popular this year as y'all know and figs knows. Mm-hmm. The new terracotta figs. So yeah, basically, uh, Tierra kind of had the dream for the wedding. She also curated our vendors really well. The florist, actually, we gave like a Pinterest board to and never followed up with really again. So the bouquet and all the live flowers, um, he just kind of did and surprised us. And it turned out beautifully. That's amazing. I love that the knot is um, being, I mean, that's like a more well-known bridal magazine, wedding magazine. I love that they're really starting to focus more in like bringing more uh, gay couples and stuff into into the scene too. Um, they just did a whole thing with uh, oh my god, Jonathan Bennett and his husband James too as yeah. well. So, oh my god, Asia, you're famous. You're on the same level as that. That's so cool. Like you're like he was on Mean Girls. <laughs> Well, I don't know about that. Um, we are not, you know, front page, not magazine. Well, actually, well, not <laughs> You're like, wait a second. <laughs> actually. <laughs> but, but you yeah, should be on all, the cover. All of this came through a TikTok contest. The Not sponsored a TikTok contest. And it was like, oh, enter our contest to be one of our, you know, most influential weddings. And it came with like all these perks and this, that, and the other. And um, so I entered their TikTok contest and we won it. And that's actually how, you know, how it all got started. Okay, that's last incredible. question. What was the TikTok? Like, what did you do on the TikTok? So it was a voiceover of a person who had been on the influential wedding crew or whatever last year. And it was like, you know, hey, this is, it was very easy. It was like, this is a memory that makes me laugh. This is how long we've been together. This is our first photo together. This is, you know, our selfies or whatever. And you just kind of followed the prompt. So it was super easy. I just like uploaded photos well, and they saw probably like how great both of your styles are. Like your styles are just like to the nines and just great. So they're like, okay, they're going to be, they're easy. They're going to make us look good. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> we've, we've got a healthcare hero too. And like <laughs> Yes, it definitely was during the height of the pandemic. And so maybe that played a role into it too. But also your love, like I, I love watching your posts and like, like it's so palpable, like regardless of the fact uh, that like you both are extremely beautiful like your love is so freaking palpable through like any photo like they'd be stupid not to feature you on there yeah I mean we've uh thank you for saying that um I mean I feel that way you know we're going on this year uh is 11 years now um wow. so long long time wow amazing we're so happy for you we're thrilled absolutely thrilled thank you. <laughs>
there's no real good segue into the medical stuff. But <laughs> for those of you who aren't aware, um, Asia is a certified physician's associate, and um, she specializes in LGBTQ plus primary care, along with being like an extremely gorgeous provider. So <laughs> she's got everything, y'all. <laughs> we haven't had, I don't think we've had too many PAs on the podcast. So I think Zochi might have actually been the last PA that we had on. <laughs> Oh, Lily. We had Lil- we had Lily on. Yeah, we yeah. had Lily on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we had Lily on. So she and Lily are part acts to follow. I mean, they oh, are. Stop. You're on, Asia. <laughs> <laughs> I love my PAs. I love my PAs. But um, let's, yeah, let's like jump in. How did you, how long have you been a PA? And like, how did you know that you got into that? How did you know you wanted to go that route? So I have been a PA out of school now for three years, and um, I always knew I wanted to go into the medical field. I am um, from a very rural town in Alabama, and oh, we're going to talk about that later too. I can hear it in your voice. <laughs> yeah. So um, you know, we really didn't have good access to care, which is the case for you know the ma- uh, majority of the country, especially in rural areas. And uh, so that's something that I think kind of got the wheels turning in my mind about going into healthcare. I lived with my grandparents for a lot of my life. My grandmother was disabled. And so as her granddaughter, it sort of became like a natural caretaker role for me. And I would, you know, go to all her appointments with her and we would, you know, drive an hour and a half to the closest neurologists and those sorts of things. And um, so that's probably what, you know, inspired me to go into medicine. Um, In terms of the profession itself, I actually didn't know what a PA was and had never heard of of the profession until I got to college. I went to the University of Alabama at Birmingham, which has a PA program. And so that's how I got introduced um, to the profession. It felt um, like a perfect fit for me at the time, just kind of, um, you know, thinking about what role I wanted to fill in healthcare. And I went straight from undergrad to the PA program, both there at UAB graduated in 2018 and I've been out here in LA ever since. That's incredible. So I'm curious, like in the PA route, did they focus much on like LGBTQ specific care or is that something that you kind of decided to specialize in doing like a, like a fellowship rotation or, you know, something like that? In my personal experience and in a lot of people's experience, this is something that gets talked about a lot is um, sort of where LGBTQ specific care falls into the curriculum, uh, whether it be for nurses, you know, uh, doctors, PAs, everyone. And it seems like it's largely dependent on where you go. Um, So, you know, maybe schools in California and New York or in more urban areas seem to start offering, you know, a little bit more like they're offering rotations in the field or having lecturers. Um, So that's kind of the same both in medical education and in healthcare is that there's not any real like standardized practice Mm -hmm. for how to address the specific needs of the community. So we had, you know, lectures, but it was more like, you know, terminology things that I felt to be too surface level. 
I got my foot in the door with this specific field because I did, um, I used to uh, volunteer for an HIV clinic in Birmingham and eventually did um, some work around HIV when I got a master's in public health. This particular job with Dr. V was looking for someone with experience in HIV, interest in HIV, and also who, you know, felt comfortable serving the community. And he kind of taught me everything I know when I got here. Wow. How did, did you, so did you decide that you wanted to move to LA first and then found the job or did you kind of go out there for this, this position? Oh my gosh. Okay. So the story is... We love story time. <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, wait, okay, how did we go from Birmingham to LA? Like that must have been, a, was that like, that must have been a huge difference for you. <laughs> it was. Um, so my, I have a, a half sister who's older than me and she lived here in LA when I was a teenager. And so when I was like 14, 15, 16, I would come out in the summers and visit her in LA. And it was just like, you know, the most spectacular thing I could have ever envisioned. I just loved it. And, um, you know, that's like an early teens thing. But as we got older, I started to see, um, you know, other folks kind of from our small communities, especially other queer people, like, you know, branching out. And it's like New York or LA. And then my wife and I, so she is a huge LeBron James fan. And so at that time, there were talks of LeBron going to the Lakers. And so we looked at each other and we were like, okay, if LeBron goes to the Lakers, then we'll move to LA. And then he did. And so right after that, um, we both started putting in applications. Like I probably applied to 50 jobs out here. Like even the ones that were like six years experience needed. I was like, I don't care. Like, I, I Here's like, my name. You're going to know me. Yeah. I wrote a cover letter. I'm like, I don't have any of these qualifications. I'm a real hard worker. <laughs> a real hard worker. Um, Just hire me, so mold me, shape that, me. Like maybe 10 people actually got back to me. Um, of those 10, like four invited me to interview and one uh, ended up being uh, Dr. V. And at the time it was just him. So he's just like a small private practice, um, just him looking for his first PA to expand, was open to a new grad. Um, we just kind of hit it off our personalities. And I've been here ever since. <laughs> That's freaking awesome. <laughs> Wait, like, are you serious? Like, this is, that is really why. Like, you're like, if LeBron goes to LA, like, we're doing this. That's like kind of what we say as a joke. But it yeah. wasn't, it wasn't. Like, we were joking you're like, at the time. Uh... We were joking at the time. We like, knew we wanted to come to maybe California. And, um... And it just LeBron was, was just the excuse. He was just the excuse. We're yeah, like, he was. Yeah, exactly. He's he's the um the like the spark for the lighter fluid. Yeah, yeah. yeah it just went, it seemed like fate because it was like oh you know haha we're ready to move like oh if LeBron goes to LA then we'll go to LA and then he did which we felt like was a sign. Amazing. Well, obviously that's a really that's a hard, hard transition no matter what graduating from school and starting your first role as a provider that's a huge transition regardless was that hard like I, I would imagine that this was 
this could have been very difficult for you for multiple reasons. One, you are starting off not just in primary care, but in primary care with a specialty. And also you're in a private practice with just, I'm guessing he's a physician. So probably not a lot of other support around or other PAs to kind of bounce off of and understand exactly what your role is. Like, because I think Mm. in those lines with, you know, I, I forget what the term is, but like PAs and MPs, like those kind of like those bridge providers will say, you know, there's just like a lot of, I feel like it really depends on where you're at, what state you're at. So what was that like um, transitioning? It was um, difficult. I mean, I think we kind of, the nice thing about it, I think that was unique here is that we sort of like, he had never had a PA before and um, he was like practicing in, in Europe. He's a European physician. So I really wasn't even sure himself. I think <laughs> you're um, like, we're just going to throw shit at the wall and see what happens. <laughs> so probably for the first like three months, um, I would see, he and I would see all of our patients together and we would come up with like a treatment plan. And a lot of things were kind of more standardized, like STI screening visits, STI treatment visits it, you know, maybe like, oh, a sore throat or, you know, that kind of thing. And then things that required a little bit more nuance or more, you know, sick visits, HIV visits, anything a little bit more complex we would do together always for literally months. Um, I was never here at the clinic alone, probably for a year um, until, you know, we both really felt comfortable. And then um, although it's just uh, Dr. B medical, uh, himself and then me. And then now we actually have another PA, Jake. We actually share our suite with a couple other doctors and those doctors have PAs who I've gotten really close to and kind of got one of them has been a PA for 30 years. And so we share our suite together and I get to kind of watch him and it's very similar what we do. So I felt actually it was intimidating and I felt, but I did feel that I had a lot of support and never really was thrown into anything. Um, and there are still days now, like, you know, within this past last week where I will just kind of have to go get in and, and get his advice. And that's something that, you know, is nice for us Mm -hmm. is to kind of be able to bounce, be really collaborative, like in the best sense of that. That's so wonderful to have like in a work setting and and know that like that dynamic exists. It's just like you can just provide such better care and and that creates more trust like with your patients where you're like, hey, you know what? I actually want to go grab the doc and just kind of, you know, bounce this idea off of them. And just because we want to get you the best treatment possible. The patients do really appreciate that too. And we kind of make it a lighthearted thing. Like, you know what? Two brains are better than one. Let's get mm-hmm. a second opinion. Um, yeah. And it's nice too, because like sometimes it's not even just him. Like maybe the other PAs will, you know, if someone's not busy, we're always happy to kind of pop our heads in on things. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of infectious disease work here. So, um, you know, especially with rashes and the new the monkeypox situation, you know, yeah. we're always kind of peeking in on each other's patients. Yeah. And I love that too. And I want to point out that it's, it's, I'm sure it goes the other way too, where there are cases that he gets and he, you know, is going to need someone else to bounce ideas off. I, um, as a FNP student worked primarily in primary care in a clinic that did a lot of HIV and LGBTQ plus care as well. And 
you know, when you're dealing with patients and, you know, when you're serving patients that have like really complex issues and a ton of other social issues, it's, it's a lot to take in and, and you kind of need someone else to bounce ideas around and say, you know, Hey, like, what do you think about, should we start them on this medication? Should we even bring yeah. this up? You know, what do you think? It's nice to have someone there, like for the both of you, because it's not just always the PA like that needs to talk to the doc. A lot of times mm-hmm. the doc wants to talk to the PA or yeah. the NP or whoever. So I just, yeah, that's wonderful that you feel supported in that way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it is unique and lucky too, because especially nowadays with provider shortages, especially in primary care, um, you know, you'll hear just countless stories of people just kind of being thrown in before they're ready. Um, So I really do, I consider myself lucky for that. We honestly haven't had like a, a conversation around monkeypox or anything like that either. Like, is that, <laughs> is it still <laughs> happening? Like, I, yeah. I, I hate to say it like that, but like, of course, it obviously it hasn't gotten like a ton, I feel like, of media coverage compared to COVID, or it's been really labeled as, oh, well, this is only affecting members of like, the LGBTQ communities and stuff like that. So like, we're not going to talk about it as much, but, but I'm wondering if it's, you know, still like really prevalent, like what kind of is happening there with the vaccine and and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I'll just, you know, speak to my own experience with it, which seems to be um, kind of mirroring what the national trend is with monkeypox. We went through a phase a couple of weeks ago where we just saw like this uptick. Um, it actually, and I'm sure you guys know, it started kind of around, um, seemed to out uh, in Pride in Europe. There was a mm-hmm. string of Pride events. It was like Paris Pride, Berlin Pride, Madrid mm-hmm. Pride. It was like this perfect storm for yeah. an infectious disease to take control and then, or to take foothold rather, and then sort of disperse. And so a lot of those folks uh, ended up coming back to L.A. and New York and the bigger cities and that sort Mm -hmm. of thing. And um, so for a couple of weeks there between me, Jake and Dr. V, we saw maybe like 15 to 20 cases a day. Oh, wow. um, for a second, um, just like, you know, it's almost like a bell curve, like at the beginning, mm-hmm. we we're like, Ooh, you know, one to two cases. And then a couple of days where it was like the entire schedule was nothing but monkeypox. Then it fell off again. And I had a case uh, yesterday and the day before. So um, they're a lot fewer. Um, I think especially here in the L.A. area, the vaccine was the uptake was good. I know at least mm-hmm. the, the vast majority of our patients like ran out to get it right away. People really started to modify behavior, you know, um, with the pride parties that um, it was a, unfortunate timing, but people did, you know, slow down on sexual activity and number of partners. So it's still very much a thing. And we're, I don't think it's over mm-hmm. um, and that we'll probably continue to see cases pop up here and there, but definitely the um, prevalence is way down and the vaccines are working. Amazing. And that's my, you know, again, my personal experience with it, but um, everything I'm seeing, you know, across from, uh, you know, Florida and New York, it's, it's all looking like it's slowing down, which is great. Amazing. The vaccines are working. Go figure. <laughs> Weird. They are. They are. It seemed like that one came out pretty quickly, though, didn't yeah. it? Yeah, no, it did. 
Well, um, what's interesting, and this is uh, what I've actually been telling patients a lot too, and I didn't realize it myself, was that um, this vaccine, I believe, was approved in 2019, and it was oh. created as a um, emergency smallpox vaccine in the event of biological terrorism. And wow. it happened that the, uh, you know, similar... Uh, smallpox and monkeypox were similar enough that that vaccine was shown to be effective against monkeypox. And so it was kind of approved only under emergency use, but it mm-hmm. apparently works very well. Yeah. Uh, so it's been approved for a couple of years now, and they were just like sitting on it in case of smallpox as a form of wow. weapon, um, which is <laughs> like a whole other conversation. A whole other conversation. What the fuck? I know that sounds insane. What else is out there? No, I'm just kidding. Like, fact check me, please. But I really did look like, because that's all we were talking about was these vaccines. And so I I looked into it and I'm pretty sure that's correct. Wow, I know. I mean, it sounds believable. (laughs) Right? Like, I'm pretty sure I didn't get it off some like extremist. <laughs> so you're Asia, telling me are you that, on truth or no, I'm just kidding. That truth the US social. government was prepared for potential warfare from that, but we were nowhere near prepared for an actual virus that just <laughs> you know, Okay, cool. That's great. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, off of the off the truth social. <laughs> but um so I I love your platform, Asia. I think you do such a beautiful Mm -hmm. job of um, specifically explaining different things around um, prep and pep and just really trying to break down like what to ask your provider if you are, you know, sexually active, like where to like you might need an STI check. You might need like an oral swab. You might need like different things. So is that like what you're most passionate about is like providing like HIV care? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I've worked with the HIV population in some form or another for a long time, ever since my undergraduate career. And then um, as a child, there was a man down our street in like rural Castleberry, Alabama, who um, I would occasionally like walk his little poodle. And all anyone knew of him was that he was like super, very sick and like wasn't really going to make it. And um, it turns out that he was a gay guy and had um, AIDS. And so that, that I think kind of stood out in my mind. Like, obviously, didn't know it at the time as a kid, but I was like, wow, you know, I feel like, you know, I've sort of been drawn to this in a way. Yeah. And so I am passionate about that. I think I'm passionate about things that are important, but don't get talked about for like silly reasons. Like, you know, there's um, a couple of examples I always think about of like celebrities who, for example, died of anal cancer. And like, maybe that could have been prevented if someone had ever felt comfortable enough to ask them, you know, what are your sexual practices? Or just, you know, conversations that are sensitive that people don't want to have. And for that reason, you know, can suffer really serious health concerns. Um, So I think that's kind of what I'm passionate about is like destigmatizing conversations around like what can be considered normal things. Yeah. STI screening, like what, you know, what you're actually doing that puts you at risk for X, Y, and Z. Do you have any, I'm curious because I know at least for me, when I was kind of entering 
that primary care world and trying to be be more like kind of just like be more open about approaching those subjects with patients. I think like when you're new or just in general, it's it, it can be really intimidating talking about sexual practices and talking about sexual histories and past and stuff. Do you have any recommendations or tips for anyone listening, whether they're a provider or whether they're just in healthcare to kind of like ease those conversations? Like, do you try to just approach them in kind of like a lighthearted manner, like just how you're kind of talking to us now, or like what are just some other like ways blunt, that we, to the that point can be a little bit better? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which one's better? Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do like to try to keep things very lighthearted. Um, of pa- in patients of all ages, like if it's the first time I've met a patient for any reason, whether that's diabetes or whatever, I'll kind of just say, you know, well. Is there anything else, you know, we should do with you today? Um, Would you like to do any STI testing today? And sometimes they're kind of taken aback by it. And if they are, they're like, no, or something like that. You know, I'll say, oh, I just ask everybody. Great. You know, let's keep moving. Um, But I would say very often they either say yes, or they'll say like, they'll kind of hesitate. And I'll just sort of be like, oh, you know, when was the last time you were screened? And then you know, there you go. Um, In terms of like what to screen the patients for, I'll say, um, you know, well, what I like to check for is this, this, and this. So I like HIV, syphilis, hepatitis C in the blood work. We'll have you do a urine sample and that's for any genitalia for gonorrhea, chlamydia. You shouldn't really have to do like a urethral swab anymore. Um, A lot of patients are worried about that, but no, you can just pee in a cup. And then I'll say like, you know, lightheartedly like, okay, here's a really personal question. Are you having any sexual activity in the butt or in the mouth? And then it's like, oh, you know, they always say yes, Some, you know, most Mm -hmm. of the time. And so you go, I'll say the only reason I'm asking you this question is because we'll screen you there too for gonorrhea and chlamydia. So I let, you know, I ask everybody very lightheartedly. And if they kind of shut off about it, I'm like, yeah, you know, I ask everybody, no worries. Um, but most people are open about it or at least want to have a conversation. Like maybe we can come to the conclusion that like you're a monogamous married person of 40 years and there's absolutely no reason to charge your insurance for that. But it's right. still at least a conversation um, to be had. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we can always bounce off of that onto HPV vaccines. A lot of adults mm-hmm. are not vaccinated for HPV. Um, so anyone listening, if you're 45 or under, you're eligible. <laughs> um, yeah. PSA. Get that guard cell. I did that in college. <laughs> yeah. My I did my senior thesis. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I remember someone told me the tip once of uh, like saying, uh, just asking, like, if you use it, we swab it. So rectal, yeah. oral. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah, you use it, we swab it. And I just felt like that. I always use that now. Like, it's just such an easy way. And if you just say it like in a joking way. And I love that. Like, I can even sense that like your approach as a provider is to just kind of meet patients where they are and like have like a more just open and like casual relationship. I think that that really helps patients open up for sure. That's just wonderful. Letting patients too, like know what to expect. Like um, a lot of times they kind of feel like 
it may be more invasive than they're expecting, or they're going to have to have some swab or like, you know, the provider is going to look at their butt or whatever, you know, they're not prepared right. for. So I always like to tell patients, like, no, pretty much any of this, you can do yourself in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have to totally. see you for this. Um, if we're not there, <laughs> um, I just, you know, or there's also the misconception that if you had blood work, then they must have been checking you for HIV or STDs. Like, well, I had blood work, you know, in the hospital a few months mm. ago. If I had HIV, I'm sure they would have said, you know, right. Um, or, you know, oh, I had blood work. Do I need the throat swab? Mm, exactly. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, they don't just screen for everything when you go to the hospital. But yeah, no, no, those are all individually charged tests. Yeah, 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 definitely. Wow. I'm curious because I feel like there's there's been so many advancements with um, HIV care and with PrEP. Like, what would you say is like the biggest change, biggest resource and stuff for people out there right now that are wanting to know their status, wanting to know what's out there and available if they are positive? Because I think a lot of people, a lot of people are still very scared of it. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I can, I can only assume, I mean, like I've been in relationships and stuff before too, where I'm like, oh my God, like, Hey, I've been cheated on. I've been cheated on with someone who's like doing some, like some so a little bit no more idea. risky things. Yeah. You just, you just don't know what they're doing. So like wanting to, you know, check your status and stuff that way. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people actually will delay testing out of fear sometimes. And Mm -hmm. a lot of that depends on on where you are probably geographically. Um, That's something that was a lot different for me coming from Alabama, where it's still Mm -hmm. very much stigmatized. And, um, you know, we had patients who would move across, like who would drive across state lines from Mississippi to come to the HIV clinic so that no one saw them around the HIV clinic. To here in West Hollywood, and we're like literally testing people outside the club, and it's uh, you know. So I feel like I've seen every breadth or like every scope of HIV testing and how comfortable patients can be. Mm-hmm. It is terrifying. Like once you take that test and you get that positive result, like that is what kind of makes it real. And I think that fear prevents people from finding out. Um, but in terms of options, I mean there. There's so many different options. If you don't want to go to a provider, if you don't want to go to a clinic, um, you can go to takemehome.org. It's a federal Mm -hmm. program that will mail you confidential Mm -hmm. HIV tests straight to your house. There's a million different mail orders. You can buy an HIV test over the counter at CVS. Well, close to where like pregnancy tests and stuff are. So there's a million different ways to know your status. And that's kind of the most important thing. We talk a lot about, especially even to patients who were diagnosed in the 80s, like nowadays treatment truly is so well tolerated. Um, you know, I like to tell newly diagnosed patients that the biggest thing about their life that changes is that now you take a pill once a day. Um, a lot of people do that anyway. Uh, the vast majority of cases can be controlled with literally one pill daily. Now mm-hmm. we're even in HIV treatment that you can take a shot every two months. There's drugs in the pipeline that's going to be a sub-Q shot every six months. Wow. Um, wow. So, yeah, we're making huge advancements, like racing towards, you know, even a cure maybe one day 
And so I would just encourage people not to be scared, get tested in whatever way feels most comfortable. Even if, like I said, it's a free at home mail-in test, at least, you know, same for, let's say, you know, you get that test and you're negative. There's also free access to prep federally through a bunch of different programs. Maybe I can like give them to y'all in case anyone's interested um, or really Google free prep government. Oh yeah. We'll include those in all the notes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so important. It's like, it's, it's just so incredible how far medical advancement has come in HIV care. And um, yeah, it's just, it's incredible. But I, and I think it's so cool that you started your work in healthcare in the HIV world. And now you're coming full circle, like later on as an actual provider and seeing all these advancements. So I just kind of like, I'm curious, as we kind of wrap up here, do you ever see yourself going back to Alabama or to like a rural small town? Because there's obviously a huge lack or there's a huge need for providers in rural areas. But do you ever see yourself going back? Or are you an LA girly for life? You know, I don't know. And <laughs> or are you going to go back to Roll Tide? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. That is something actually that I do feel a lot of guilt about. Like I feel mm-hmm. almost like I turn my back on where I'm from mm-hmm. and, you know, moved to a place that doesn't really lack for providers and comprehensive care the way that uh, other rural states do. So I feel, you know, a lot of guilt about that. I don't want to say that I would never move back. Um, I don't think it's in the cards for me now or anytime soon. Um, I think another thing kind of adding a whole layer onto things is the like political state of our country. And um, I think in a lot of times, my wife and I wouldn't feel safe in certain places. Mm -hmm. And that is something that we take into consideration too, as well as, you know, our mental well-being. So for now, I'm a California girly. I (laughs) don't want to say that I would never go back because potentially I would. And especially if things like where I'm from, you know, down in the deep South, if they were to change, Um, because I actually, I love Alabama and I love the Gulf Coast and I think it's a beautiful place full of beautiful people but it wasn't really, you know, conducive to our best life together. I guess yeah, of course. Yeah, very, um, very fair. To say, and, uh, but I do think one thing that is nice about the practice that I currently am in and um, one thing that COVID has actually helped is that I have a lot of prep patients and a couple of like other just sort of general care patients from all across the country on um, patients that I've amassed on TikTok, actually back to TikTok to bring this conversation all the way back around. <laughs> Full circle. Um, I love it. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I actually do have kind of like a handful of patients in like rural Texas and this, that and the other that I am their um, prep provider virtually. And um, so that's something that maybe will increase access to those folks if you're not there physically. I love that you mentioned that. Because it's like you don't have to put yourself and your wife into somewhere that might not be safe for you, but you can still help people in these rural communities by having the by accessing like uh, telemed. Yeah, and it's not a blanket statement, of course. Like I know right. all rural communities are not 
Well, not whatever. the same. Yeah. Yeah, not the same. It's not like a homogenous blanket state. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, everyone knows what I'm talking about right now. <laughs> Girl, I've driven down to the Gulf Coast from Nashville. I there's a I know the signs that you're talking about. I I've seen them. I mean I mean there's still co- Confederate flags being flown all over places in the South. We only like, just oh. got the statue of like some <laughs> KKK yeah. leader pulled off the side yeah. of yeah. Highway yeah. 65. We don't love it. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh man. But I am glad that you that you mentioned that and I I don't it almost makes me sad that even part of you would ever really feel guilty because no one should ever feel guilty for living the life that makes them the happiest and even you and know who they love. Yeah, exactly. Um and even outside of that it's like even if that wasn't the reason and you just wanted to live in LA because you Love the being by the ocean and and LeBron, <laughs> exactly. And you live in LA. Yeah, your patients are lucky to happy are are so lucky to have you regardless of where you are. And I'm you impact so many lives, um, whether it's in Los Angeles or in Alabama. And your patients are just should be so grateful to have you. I know we're mm-hmm. grateful to have you. We are so grateful to have you for this quick little hour here on your lunch break because you're looking so cute with your stethoscope, and I'm sure you're wearing your Figs right figs. now. Um, <laughs> yes, people can't see Asia, but she's wearing her figs and a stethoscope. Love I love it. the V-neck on that. Right? <laughs> I forgot the name of the style, but I'm like loving it. Figs is always coming through. <laughs> always. Always. Well, thank y'all so much for having me. This was so much fun, just like I knew it would be. I am, you know, obviously huge fans of you both and of this podcast, and I'm so honored to be a guest. Oh, girl, we love you. Believe me, the honor goes both ways. Okay, Jack, here are the songs I have chosen for your bio profile. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Hit me. (laughs) Oh, we're getting like a live performance? Okay, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it gets better. What the fuck? What the fuck is wrong with you? Wait, was that song, just be honest, that song is at the top of one of your playlists right now and it just came up easily. That's why you had that one. You, you just had it. No, I legit was like, no, I'm going to go deep dive and get some okay, like, random right, number stuff. one. Okay, give us number two. What is this? Can you No. Okay, you're over for two. It's called, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. It's called Racist Sexist Boy by the Linda Lindas, and they are like an eighth grade band, and they fucking rock. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually kind of funny, but like, I would worry that people would like take that seriously and be like, this person's (laughs) insane. And then we have one of the greatest. Like, what kind of song... What do you, what do you, okay, this better be serious. I mean, I, I would, I think this, this could definitely, I mean, it depends on like what mood you want. (laughs) (laughs) A little Maisie star. Okay. Throwback. A little, it's like a little emo girl. It's a little, like, I'm a cool, a little emo, but I, I, okay. I would say out of the three, 
number three, but um, I think you need to go back to the drawing board and we need to come up with an actual song. We need to come up with an so actual song. So I picked California because Thanks. that's where Asia is. And obviously the OC was, you know, the show of our childhood. It was like that. Gilmore Girls. Yeah, that was yes. the defining show of our of our youth. Racist, yeah. sexist yeah. boy, because I'm actually going to send that to you. You're going to listen to it and you're going to be like, just like rage out and draw like a really angry full pumpkin, you know, for, for your clothes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. All right. Cool. Perfect. Amazing. Well, thank you all for tuning in and listening, not just to our episode, but to our usual bullshit between <laughs> D and I. Um, we'll have to keep this conversation going for when I come home and actually see if I decide to use a dating app. I'll have to keep you guys updated because I mean, homegirl's getting back out there and I know you guys want Woo-hoo. all the dating updates from me and D. So you'll have to pay attention and tune in for some of our future episodes. But if you loved this episode, um, please follow along with Asia on Instagram. You can find her at Couture in Clinic. That's C-O-U-T-U-R-E in Clinic on Instagram. Follow along your Bama girl living in LA. She's always posting incredible content for um, for STIs, HIV, PrEP, LGBTQ plus care, all the things on top of her incredible style. And we'll include the links to get access to PrEP in our uh, show notes so you can find that there until next week jack and i love you well med out oh.